Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast, episode number 29, uh, recording in mid-January of the year 2021, our first podcast of 2021. Uh, with me today on the podcast, as usual, Holly McLean. How are you, Holly? Oh, you know what, Craig? I'm doing not too bad. I'm not too bad. You know what? It's a new year. It's a, a new Holly. No, I'm pretty much the same as I was like 10 days ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, can't, uh, can't complain. Yeah. And uh, also here with Mr. Bobby Rao, Reverend Bobby Rao. How are you doing, Bobby? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I thought uh, my official title was Bish Bob, as uh, we talked in our elders meeting. <laughs> yes, that's but, right. Uh, uh, I, I'm doing good. I'm warm because I'm at the church. There is currently no power at my house, so I'm enjoying having internet and power and warmth at, uh, as I work at the church, which is not uh, the, the typical place I've been working lately. Yeah. Unlike your family, shivering in the cold at home. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, Holly, before we start, I think you have to tell our listeners the story you just told us about your your <laughs> snowboarding in air quotes trip. Uh, yeah, well, I've been going snowboarding a lot um, this season. There was a week recently where I went three times in one week. Wow! So it, it's not like a crazy like long journey because we go to Cypress Mountain, so it's only like an hour and ten-ish minutes away to get like all the way up the hill. It's not too bad, but. Uh, I drove up there yesterday with Corey and Jess, who are my core bubble because I live by myself, so I can see two people. Uh, so we drove up to Cypress Mountain together, and it was like absolutely pouring rain. And I'm an optimist, so the whole time going up the mountain, I was like, "It's gonna turn into snow. Like it's gonna be fine." And we got up there, and the parking lot was absolutely empty. So then um, I put <laughs> I put on my Instagram story. I put a poll, and it said, "Should we turn back? Yes, no." <laughs> and um, to this day, the poll is very divided. People were really torn on whether or not we should stay or whether or not we should go. But in conclusion, we did um, we did drive home. So we did a round trip to Cyprus for absolutely nothing. nothing. But uh, yeah. you know what? That's okay. <laughs> did you at least yeah. get like McDonald's in Vancouver or something to say that you like stopped for something? I wish. And it was funny even too, because we were driving up and we were looking at the view because I don't know if you've ever been to Cyprus, anybody listening, but the view is incredible. And we were looking at cars um, parked at the view and we were like, imagine driving up here all that, like all that way just to look at that view. And we didn't even stop to look at the view on the way back. And we're like, we are those people we were making fun of on the way up now. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we actually had McDonald's on the way out. So we did uh, nothing. We just drove straight home. Wow. So it's, uh, it's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Um, we're, we're doing something a little different today. Um, we, we usually bring on a guest and chat with our guest about a variety of things. Uh, today, Bo- Bobby's kind of a guest, but we're not really trying to interview Bobby as much as have a, a conversation uh, around a few different topics. Uh, there's so many things we could talk about, and we'll probably uh, do a few of these episodes in the coming weeks where we take a, a current event or a current topic and um, and uh, d- discuss it amongst ourselves. Uh, for instance, a question we probably won't get to today that, that I'd, I'd love to chat with, uh, with folks about in the future is what role will online church participation play in the future of the church once COVID is over? That's going to be an interesting conversation. And uh, of course, I have, have some thoughts, but um, 
there's lots to figure out there still. Uh, today, we've just come through our, our sermon series on our church vision, which is to be a welcoming, Christ-centered community that glorifies God by impacting individuals and families near and far. And so I thought it would be good for us to chat about the elements of that, um, that vision and some of the questions that come up when we talk about this vision. And uh, perhaps we'll, we'll go beyond that. Well, we will go beyond, beyond that because Holly has a question she really wants to get to later I about do. whether or not we are in the end times. So <laughs> I'm excited to hear what you have to say there. And I thought a lot about that in the last week, too, because somebody's yeah. asking me about that. So Wow, look at that. Um, yeah, so let's talk about our vision. Uh, first of all, uh, how would you think our church would change if we fully captured our vision? I mean, we're pursuing our vision, but... How would our church community be changed if what we said is what exactly happened? Uh, so I was thinking about this, and I think the the key word in um, that it talks about is fully pursuing our vision. I've actually appreciated on our church how we do, per, I believe we do pursue our vision. Um, and that's something, it's not just a, a quote on the wall. It's something that we preach on every year and it, and it comes up in our staff meetings and it comes up on the elders and, and different times that we do pursue uh, what we believe God has called us to. But I think fully pursue has this, this picture of being all in on it and uh, even a, a self-sacrifice. Um, and, and I see that places. I saw that um, even as we uh, uh, pushed forward the extending our impact um, uh, last year. And that's obviously on, on pause now for good, good reasons. But um, I, I think I just love to see that not just as a church, but in each person's lives and seeing how um, people are pursuing that um, with the way that they treat each other in their workplace and their homes and, and be welcoming Christ-centered and uh, and just so it's hard to to even picture it or know that but just to to hear those stories over and over and over again would kind of just be what my hope and prayer is for that mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah that's cool I was I was thinking a lot about like this as well and I was thinking like how cool would it be for like everyone in the church to have some kind of like their own community with like their sub community within the church whether that's in a care group or volunteering somewhere or like even just a good like group of friends that they have from the church like how awesome would that be if like literally everyone that came to the church had that mm -hmm. and also uh, sometimes you hear the expression that sometimes at a church like there's 20% of people doing 80% of the work and not that I necessarily think that's happening at our church, but what if that was like so much as reverse, like 80% or a hundred percent of the people doing like 10 or 20% of the work. And I think that if we embrace, like fully pursue this vision, I think that could be a more sustainable um, idea. So I think, uh, yeah, it could be, uh, it could be really cool. It, it'd be interesting to see how, how the way church is done changes. Uh, mm -hmm. I think one of the good things that could, and I hope does come out of the, uh, pandemic that we've walked through is to recognize that the church vision doesn't just happen in the church building. The church mm -hmm. vision happens as each person leans into it in the situation where they are. So mm -hmm. the word that was coming to my mind in our, our vision is, is the word impact and what kind of impact that we could have uh, all, you know, 350 or 400 or 450 of us spread out wherever we might be. Um, living it out and owning it in our own lives. And, and that's happening in a lot of different ways already. But um, boy, that would be so cool to hear, uh, as, I, as one of you said, I think Bobby, you said, like hearing the stories of people coming, coming to the gathering to share about the ways in which the vision happened outside of the gathering. 
Like and that, that would be neat um, to see that happen even more. That's very true. So to kind of, I guess, break it down a bit, why do we think like welcoming specifically is so important? Yeah, I'll I'll jump in there because I'm 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 kind of passionate about this. I think, <laughs> um, uh, I I just think it's so important that we adopt the posture of Christ when it comes to the world, um, and we can be. We don't like to think of ourselves as uh, you know close-minded or pharisaical in kind of how we do church. But there's always the danger, right? And Jesus, Jesus communicated that to religious people over and over and over again. Uh, don't miss the point. Don't miss the, the, the people that are standing right in front of you because of your uh, religious boundaries that you've set up that, you know, in a lot of cases aren't set up in the right place. Um, and so we want our church to be a welcoming church where everyone can feel like there's a, a, a place for them, uh, a place for them to belong and, and research, like I said in the sermon a few weeks ago, is, is showing us that people who come to faith from non-faith background uh, often come to faith because they were welcomed into a community. They, it was a relationship that they pursued. They were invited to be a part of the community. They felt like they belonged before it was that they were even willing to consider the beliefs of the community. And so I, I think we sometimes get that backwards where we think, well, you can't really belong here until you believe the same thing that we do. And uh, I think we're going to limit our impact if we approach it that way. And so um, now when I talk about this and, and in the sermon, I specifically reference the LGBTQ community and, and Holly, you and I attended a, a very fascinating uh, conference on that back in November. Uh, both of us walked away from that thinking, wow, that was challenging. <laughs> and how do we, how do we walk that out in, in the church? Um, you know, pe people, a few people, and, and sometimes when I, I get a couple questions, I think that probably more people have the same question, but just haven't asked it, uh, are thinking, well, are there limits to the, the welcome that we'll extend? Um, you know, are, are we going to have people uh, from the LGBTQ community, for instance, teaching our Sunday school classes and leading in youth group and, and becoming members in our church? And, and so I'd want to respond to that by saying uh, our value of being Christ-centered defines our welcome. And so uh, we do have conditions for membership at Ross Road. We have a confession of faith that spells out what we believe about sexuality, uh, that spells out what we believe about Christ, that spells out what we believe about uh, love and non-resistance and uh, a whole host of other things. And we hold to that very tightly. We, we believe in that. We, we don't want to um, compromise on any of those things. Um, and we, similarly, we ask our youth leaders and our, our kids volunteers to, to sign a um, uh, ministry covenant that says that they will um, agree with our confession of faith. And that's what we will teach in our, our kids and youth ministry. Um, so I don't feel too concerned that we're going to um, um, uh, experience theological compromise by welcoming because yeah. we are Christ-centered in our welcome. Uh, I think the opposite is often true. We're too afraid of theological compromise to engage in relationships with real people. And, oh, that's so true. and that's where we can get into trouble. And that's some of what I see in our world right now and when it comes to Christianity. People are afraid of compromise. And so rather than you know, engaging in messy and difficult conversations, they withdraw 
and say, well, I'm not going to go there because even the appearance of, of having a relationship with a person different than me might indicate my approval of that. And that's going to you know, signify to everyone that I've compromised theologically. And I, I just don't think that's true. So anyways, I've talked for long enough now, but uh, you can tell that I, I, I feel this one pretty strongly. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I feel, I share that, uh, I share that same passion on a, uh, on a really deep, on a deep, deep level. And I think like, yeah, the, just the concept of like welcome itself, like even on a more practical sense too, is like, so, so important. Like I know for youth ministry, like we have it. So like, um, every, every single night, like there's always somebody who's dedicated to being the greeter and the person saying goodbye at the end of the night. And I think that's so important just because this might be the only place that someone comes to in their whole week where they feel seen. So like, that's so important for every kid to feel like, Oh, like they just said hello to me and they're caring that I'm leaving. And Mm. I think that's, it's so important. And even to like, for example, if you go to like a, like first impressions are everything. Like if I go into a store, how I am greeted is likely going to shape my entire experience. Um, and even similar, like Craig was saying in his sermon a couple weeks ago, like the difference between the furnace cleaning guy and the plumber, mm-hmm. like that made such an impact yeah. and uh, it'll determine whether or not you want to like go to that store or use that service again. So yeah. I think that uh, welcome is, it's everything for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I think it's important to realize that the opposite of welcome is unwelcome. So if we're not going to be welcoming, do we want to be unwelcoming, which is, right. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I think it's easy to say that we, we don't want to be unwelcoming. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah, also important. Uh, to know that uh, the welcome we're talking about is not welcome into leadership or elders right now. Yeah. We're talking about a welcome into uh, approaching Jesus, to exploring Christ, to knowing his, uh, who he is, attending our, our church, attending our programs, being in relationship with people. No way are we saying um, by doing any of those things that you're, you're saved or you're, yeah. um, but it's, if we're talking about salvation, that's the, the Christ-centered kind of p- portion of this, but our, but our welcome is to uh, invite more people and we need to be welcoming because uh, I'm going to take a guess and 80% of Abbotsford is, doesn't attend church on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and to those 80% of people, uh, Christ died for them. Christ died to forgive their sins. So if we're not going to welcome them, um, then we're pushing them away. And uh, I heard the analogy once of having uh, low walls for entrance, but then high accountability and a high call once they've come in. So once somebody does profess faith in Christ, that's when we can hold them accountable. That's where our membership comes in and we uh, can talk about somebody if they are living unchristlike. And that's where Jesus has called us to. Uh, mm-hmm. to talk to people and to invite people to, to become more and more like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so true. It's so, it's so important to not like assume Christian values onto people who haven't yet professed faith in Christ. Like mm-hmm. that's so unfair. So I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. That example of the low bar for entrance, but then yeah. High accountability. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Uh, part, part of this is uh, recognition that our culture has changed, right? Like Christianity is is no longer a dominant worldview uh, in our society, mm-hmm. uh, and so we have to recognize that um, we we can't expect people to have it figured out before they walk in the door, and we shouldn't expect it. Um, but we should model Christ, who spent time with people on the on the fringes. That that was important to him. It should be important to us. Yeah, and I think uh, also welcoming puts the onus on us. Mm. And that's something that's rather than um, being whatever, just hoping people walk through doors or hoping people 
have dreams and visions and, and that's great, but it's, it puts the onus on us to be welcoming. And that might be, that's hopefully being welcoming before they even come into our church on Sunday or tune in online. Uh, that's being welcoming as we engage and build relationships with people and hopefully start spiritual conversations with them um, or have spiritual conversations because it has transformed our lives as we move and talk about being Christ-centered, mm -hmm. uh, that we should be welcoming to others to also experience his Christ, -cent uh, to be Christ-centered as well. Yeah. So, so let's move to Christ Center because the other thing that, that we have to recognize in welcoming is that uh, the gospel does exclude, right? Like the, the, the gospel causes offense, right? Um, the, Jesus is welcoming, but there, there is a call to surrender. There is a, a call to submit to Christ. And so um, there is a sense in which even our desire to be welcoming uh, people might reject that, and and that's the choice that that they will make, right? Um, because if Christ is central, we have to to take His invitation seriously, right? So that means there is a surrender involved. That that means that we are inviting people to surrender. That there will be a point in which we might invite people into the community, and as they explore Jesus with us, we we would have to say to them, "There's a decision that you need to make here." about putting your faith in Jesus, or perhaps about an ethical uh, issue, or perhaps about something that you believe about morality. There, there's a decision to be made about whether or not you're going to align yourself with Christ. And that, that's part of the journey of, of welcoming and exploring Christ with people. Yeah. And I think too, like being Christ-centered, like why that's, you know, the, it's such a strong vision and value of ours is like, because Christ is our example of what it is to be good. So I think if we start to like try and substitute like something or someone else to follow, we're trying to imitate something that's imperfect. And as imperfect beings, we need an example of perfection to follow. Mm -hmm. This is going back to my sermon now, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think having that um, just like not wavering in who we're looking to as our ultimate like role model is so, so important. Otherwise everything's going to start to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And, and not just our role model, our savior, because we aren't perfect. Um, yeah, exactly. We need, we need to look to, to somebody because we, as we look at him as a role model, we can see more of our imperfections and more of our sin and more of my whatever pride or impatience or those kinds of things. Um, and we can, and if we're not Christ centered, we're going to be something else centered and that's going to just, yeah. um, show the sin in our lives and show even more that we need Christ as our, as our redeemer, our savior, our, uh, who we can depend on. Um, and that's actually something that, uh, I've, uh, really learned throughout this pandemic is to be Christ dependent. Um, and, and that's one part of being Christ centered is, is because, um, when I'm preaching, I'm not sitting in front of a crowd. I can't read them. I'm relying on the Holy spirit to be in each person's home, whether that's Sunday morning or throughout the week or, or just dependent on, uh, uh, yeah, God working in, in different ways and in people's lives. And even distractions can be such a big deal. I know in people's homes, but just depending that Christ can work despite, or even I guess through, or however that he is working and he does want to redeem people and, and bring people towards himself. So, um, Christ-centered involves being dependent on him as our savior and through sanctification, growing in discipleship. Yeah. I had a, a fascinating question asked of me the other day, and it was, uh, why do we say Christ-centered and not God-centered? Uh, and a great uh, question. yeah, uh, it was, it was cool. Um, and so, 
I, I said to this person uh, off the top of my head, I said, well, we actually define our value of being Christ-centered because we, ha- we actually have statements that go underneath these values. Uh, we define it by, by saying we prayerfully depend upon God and his word, God the Father. We obediently submit to the Holy Spirit, and we sacrificially follow Jesus' example. So there's a Trinitarian emphasis in this, inherent in this value for us. And when we were putting it together, we wanted to be explicit about that. Um, because I mean, when we say Christ centered that you run against the Trinity pretty fast here, three and yet one, right? So, so Christ, the son uh, as distinct from the father, but yet also one with the father and, you know, try and wrap your mind around that reality. We'll, we'll be trying forever probably. Um, but, uh, so I was doing some, some other digging on the question and, and some of the, the rest of the answer, uh, from our confession of faith actually is exactly what you guys are saying is, is Jesus is is um, our salvation, right? Like the New Testament, it makes a big deal about Jesus be- because of that fact uh, that he sacrificed himself. Yes, he was sent by God, but he, he is the, the one who sacrificed himself for us. And also, as you were saying, Holly, Jesus is our example. So he's the one who we want to model our behavior after, uh, his, his humility, his, um, his, his godliness, his dedication to the will of the Father, uh, and his sacrificial love. Uh, his his grace and truth, like all of these things, are things that we're modeling in our desire to be Christ centered. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we say this this applies to us as a church, and we want it to apply to us as a whole church. Uh, but you know, as we think about who the church is, the church is made up of individuals, and so uh, living out this value rests on every one of our shoulders uh, as we go through our day to day lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So our, our last um, our value that we have here is communities. So what is it about community that is so important and why we have it as one of our main church values? I'll jump in here since uh, I'm the pastor of community life and I should have a good answer for it, hopefully. Um, but I'll let you, Eric, guys, everyone else be the judge. But I think community is important because uh, if you look at Jesus' teaching, uh, it's all about relationships. It's all about love. Even uh, Craig talking about the, the triune God, that we are created in his likeness uh, in how we uh, connect with other people and, and the different illustrations um, of and, and calls on us to, to love other people, to, to be in community, to be the body of Christ, to uh, be the church, all those things. It's, it's important because that's, first of all, how we've been designed. Uh, but it's also important because um, we need each other. We need each other not only for our own spiritual growth, but we need each other to help others spiritually grow. And we're not uh, the goal of Christianity, as uh, I just preached in Ephesians 4, the the call of the church to build itself up is for all of us to grow in maturity and to attain to the the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, So our goal is not this individual spiritual growth. It's actually growth for everybody. Um, and as we do that, we can uh, see the beauty in the diversity of those in the church uh, and also just learn to love others as Christ loved us because they're different. And sometimes we rub up, sometimes there's friction, sometimes there's there's conflict. And, and that's how Christ has loved us because uh, we, we sin, we're imperfect, and we can understand Christ and him more uh, through community. And we can also uh, show Christ more through community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I like that. Um, that was a strong part of, of what you were saying in your sermon, Bobby. And I guess we have to give credit to Paul, a uh, strong part of his letter, um, that uh, 
our responsibility is not just for our own spirituality. It's, it's actually for the spirituality of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have just a responsibility between me and God. I have a responsibility between me and you and God. And that's not just because I'm the pastor. It, it's for all of us in community. We're responsible for one another. And mm-hmm. we can't be responsible for one another if we actually don't know one another. And if we're not rubbing shoulders with one another. Uh, one of the things we we prayed in our prayer guide that I thought was so uh, powerful was uh, all all generations standing shoulder to shoulder, joyfully serving God uh, for His glory, which I thought was just a great picture of of the power of community as we are on mission together uh, and responsible to and for one another. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like in community, especially like it's accountability, um, and I think like as an extrovert too like I like especially have found like in the last few weeks totally like I need community and um I think we've probably all felt our desire more for community in this year like more than ever before and I've really been struggling in the last little bit not being able to like hang out with friends and see people on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and um yeah so community like it's so important um even just for like our mental health too um and so I think uh yeah, it's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to having back as a as a normal thing in my life. And even just the accountability, like, I think it's really cool, like, us reading scripture together. I think that's a really cool way to have community, even when we're far apart from one another, too, because it's something that we're all doing together and we're trying to keep up with together. So I think that's been really good as well. Yeah. So what are some ways in which you or um, others could potentially... Um, a way in which you have or others could potentially move more towards community despite the ongoing reality of COVID? I, I think the, the first thing that I want to say is we often think of community as friendship, but I think community is deeper and bigger than friendship. Um, so since community is, is doing something, being on mission together, um, we don't need to uh, I mean, she, uh, Holly talked about going skiing together and having a trip, which is great. But I, I, if that's your whole friendship, then I don't think we're actually the kind of community that God has called us to a Christ-centered community that's being on mission together. Mm-hmm. So if we are on mission together and our mission as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus, I think it's using our diverse gifts to help people find and follow Jesus. So um uh, Nerissa Casper it does that by sending cards, wonderful cards to other people. Yeah. Or, um, and I, probably many people who are listening to this may have received one from her at some point or another. Or uh, it can be giving a phone call. Sometimes I've given random people phone calls, and uh, and it's been uh, well timed by God prompting me to do that. And mm-hmm. and other times I call them and I hear that they've been called by many other people, and that's also mm-hmm. a blessing to hear how people have have connected. Um, I mean, so there's, uh, there's many different ways that we are blessed to, to be able to do that. Uh, also, it's care groups are a great way to get connected. So I'll throw a plug in for those because um, they are a great way. But serving in some way, using your gifts in some way uh, to uh, be on mission in community, I think, is the best way to actually develop deep, authentic community that's going to mean something to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah totally. I, mean, I think it's easy to think of like community as having to be like a big 
group of people too. But I think like community can be so found in like a mentor mentee relationship too. Like I know my relationship with uh, Angela Rosborough, shout out, um, that is like so impactful for me. And I think that's um, like, that's a community that I, I really, really value, even though it's just one other person, I think it still falls under that same category for sure. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and so an, another way to say it would just be to say an intentional friendship, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, and, um, you know, I've got a, a group of three other guys and we meet once a month, uh, which has been a virtual or in person when we were allowed to obviously, but, um, a place to share struggles and a share to pray for one, a place to, to, uh, to pray for one another, um, uh, and just to do life together and support each other in that way. Um, mm -hmm that that's possible in some ways still these days. And so that, that's another uh, possibility. Mm -hmm. um, let's, uh, we just got a few minutes left here and uh, we, we wanna get to this other theological question that uh, Holly has some, some great thoughts on, I know. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the question is, uh, of course, people in the day and age in which we live are uh, wondering about whether or not some of the things we're seeing are signs of the end times, uh, signs that uh, Christ is set to return soon. And um, so what do we think about that? How do you respond? Uh, what says you, Holly? Yeah, so I have some thoughts and then I have a, a question for you guys too about this. So I like I always think of even Craig's response. Like I remember having this conversation with Craig a, a little while ago and his response is, well, we've been in the end time since the birth of Jesus, um, which I think it's, it's very true. Um, and I've been listening to um, the Holy Post podcast a lot um, this past year. And um, the Holy Post podcast, if you don't know, Phil Vischer uh, is the guy who created uh, VeggieTales. It's uh, his podcast with another guy. And um, he said something that was so interesting to me. And it was something along the lines of like, nothing that we've experienced in 2020 was crazy unique. Like it might feel like it, but there's been pandemics before. There's been high political tension before, but it probably feels like it's the end of the world because this is just happening in our lifetime. And we especially can be like self-centered human beings. So it's natural for us to feel this way. Like this is happening in my lifetime. So this must be it. But if you think about it, like a hundred-ish years in 2000, like more than that, but it's like, that's, it's a crazy thing to think that this is our, or like, this is it. Um, Cause I think even people also thought it was end times when they were experiencing literal wars or to go back further in time when like Jerusalem was burning down. Um, yeah. So those are my initial thoughts. Um, there's also, uh, you know, the conspiracy theories of uh, the vaccine being the mark of the beast. And um, so a guy named Sky Jathani, who is on, he co-hosts this podcast. He said uh, he's working on a sermon entitled, how stupid do we think God is? And um, I think, I think it's so true. Like if there's a literal mark of the beast, I don't think it's something we're going to accidentally just get. I don't think it's going to be a tattoo or a vaccine or wearing a mask. It's going to be really obvious. And I think it's downplaying the intelligence of God to actually think that a mark of the beast is something that we could just like accidentally get and then have no grace for after that. Um, yeah, so those are my, those are my initial thoughts. And I had a question that I'd love to hear from you guys is, do you think it's okay to experience fear regarding end times? Because now hear me out. I can't be the only one because I can't fathom in my human brain meeting Jesus and kneeling before God. 
Like, obviously this is going to be the most incredible thing we ever experience. But as a person, and even thinking about like maybe seeing my dad again, like, I don't know exactly how that works, but as a person who experiences anxiety, I have a big fear of the unknown. So looking at an event that is like physically unfathomable, I feel like it's normal to have some fear, but I would love to know for one thing, if I'm alone in that and uh, your guys' thoughts, the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good question. Um, uh, I, I'm doing, I want to address the original question first and then we'll come back to that. Um, cause I, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying there. Uh, the, the phrase that I, that's been rolling around in my brain is that we, we need to approach this with uh, what I'm deciding to call historical humility. Mm. Um, when Jesus in, in Matthew 24 started talking about signs of the ends of the age, the first thing he said was he looked at the temple and said, not one of these stones will be left on the other. Well, that happened 40 years later. <laughs> so so <laughs> I imagine that people who maybe even heard him say that saw the temple come down in Jerusalem and said, well, Jesus is coming back now. And, and yet here we are, right? Uh, two, almost 2,000 years later, and, and Jesus still isn't back. And so uh, I think what, what you're saying, Holly, is right. Um, just because it's happening to us doesn't mean that this is it. On the other hand, Jesus tells us we need always be ready. So maybe, maybe this is it, right? Yeah. We can't say, no, it's not. But mm -hmm. I don't think that, um, I, I think we need to have the historical humility to say there have been worse things that have happened. And yeah. um, we also, I think, along with this, need to think very carefully about whether or not uh, a loss of freedom in the ways in which we've defined freedom in our society is what signifies the end of time in Jesus' books. Interesting. Right? Uh, it's, uh, people are, are thinking about the, the loss of individual rights as a sign that, that this is the end times. Uh, individual rights are not really something that are championed that strongly in scripture. Uh, and so should we be concerned about the loss of individual rights in society? Well, sure, yeah. It's a blessing. It's it's a good thing for us to have, and 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 you know I'd I'd like to think that we'll be religiously free for the rest of my life. Um, maybe that's not going to be the case, but that doesn't mean that the gospel has been weakened in any way. It just means life will get harder for us. So uh, I think we have to think very carefully about that. Now, as to your second question, sorry, I'm talking a long time. Um, I did too, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, is it okay to have some fear? Um, well, it's unknown. So I think as humans, we fear the unknown. So what you're saying there is accurate. Uh, I think I, I would say that the thing to temper that would be to think about the uh, amazing reality that exists on the other end, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's lots of different perspectives too about what the end times will look like and, mm -hmm. and how much suffering we'll have to walk through. And if you're someone who believes that the church will have to go through a lot of tribulation in the end times, well, that, that will be difficult. Uh, and, and so that could cause some anxiety and some fear. Um, but there is the, the peace of Jesus that he promises us in the midst of it and mm -hmm. the, the reality of heaven on the other side. So that's what I think. I like that. Yeah, I think I feel like it's so good to just acknowledge the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I feel like I have this conversation and it's like, oh, well, there's no reason to be afraid. And I'm like, okay, but logically, like, kind of like, I, I don't know. I really don't like the unknown, but yeah, I don't know if that's just being a human or if that's anxiety. Yeah. So. Anything you'd add there, Bobby? 
Um, I, the, the fear question always intrigues me because, um, like, because Jesus says some pretty cult tall things don't don't be anxious don't well uh, don't be afraid don't be and how literal to take those things i i often go back and forth so mm -hmm. like just like i can tell my daughter don't be afraid because it's dark there's last night we didn't have power so i went in there and whatever brought a flashlight and she didn't need to be afraid um that's not me saying that she's sinning or doing something wrong because she's afraid but it's sure. me going to her and, and reassuring her that she doesn't need to but I also think at the same time, if I had perfect peace, perfect faith in God, I can always rest in him. I can always have peace and, um, and his, and love casts out fear. So, um, I guess I acknowledge that fear is, um, uh, present, but I also acknowledge that if I had perfect faith and perfect peace and perfect connection with God, which is attainable because Jesus died and rose again and tore the veil so that we can encounter his presence both now and forevermore, um, that I wouldn't experience peace. So, or I wouldn't experience fear, uh, for anything. So, um, I guess my answer is kind of yes and kind of no, I don't know. I don't know if I call it sin. Uh, but I would say that, um, as followers of Jesus, that if, if we were, if we were to reach whatever the full, the wholeness of the fullness of Christ and, and had perfect faith in him that I don't think we experience any fear at all. So, um, but yeah. And we do have the promise of, of Jesus. And I want to say it's in Mark. Um, maybe it's in Matthew, but when he's talking about the end times that the Holy spirit will give you the words to say when you are you know dragged in front of people and, and demanding you uh, to give an account. Uh, so we do have the promise that Jesus' presence will be with us. And, uh, you know, the disciples show us that they were fearful lots of times. Uh, and it's interesting. Sometimes Jesus comes along and says, why were you afraid? And sometimes Jesus comes along reassuringly and says, it's going to be okay. So mm -hmm. there's, there's that example from them too. Yeah, that's cool. And I like, I like the analogy that you said, Bobby, with your, with your daughter of telling, like telling her, like, you don't have to be afraid. It does not supposed to like invalidate her feelings, but you're just trying to, you're trying to help and you're trying to have her to put her like comfort into God and into knowing facts. But yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So more could be said on that, I'm sure, uh, but we need to wrap up. And so thank you, Bobby, for joining us for this conversation. <laughs> And uh, that was fun. We'll, we'll do it again. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening to episode number 29 of the Ross Road Connect podcast. Want to throw our shout out to Caleb Rosborough, our uh, all-star yeah. uh, podcast editor. And um, we hope you'll join us for episode 30. Take care. Ross Road Connect podcast is produced by Ross Road Community Church in Abbotsford, B.C., for more information about our church community and links to more podcasts and sermons, visit rossroadcc.ca.